Hello. I'm Alexis Hyde. I'm Erica Wong. This is Hyde or Practice. This week, y'all get strapped in, like literally like just make sure you're ready. Uh, make sure you are tall enough to ride this ride. It is going to be good. We have Elise Parkway here. She is a corporate uh, curator and health and wellness coach for artists and creatives, which sounds like it might be two very disparate things, but I don't think they are. Honestly, I feel like curators have to do a lot of caring. So I'm looking forward to hearing more. Elise, thank you for being here with us. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Amazing. Would you mind uh, for our listeners to let them know a little bit more about you and why they are so lucky to have you in their earbuds this week? Yeah. So um, I am curator of our corporate art collection. I specifically at a law firm that has been around based in LA. Well, it's all, it's an international firm, but founded in LA in 1885. Um, they've had a collection since the late 1960s. And um, I've been with the firm since 2007. Um, it's a very diverse collection, very eclectic. There's no sort of guiding theme, but it's mostly um, modern and contemporary art, photo- photographs, works on paper, prints, drawings. There's a handful of paintings handful of sculpture, those works in the opinion of the firm. And it's just, we haven't really done, had a lot of those because they are sort of in greater danger in the context of a, a corporate setting. Um, so we kind of stick to those things, um, those types of objects. And in late 2019, I started this journey in um, training as a health and wellness coach um, with the functional medicine foundation. So I can get into what that is later, but basically, um, inspired by a health uh, sort of trauma that my younger daughter experienced when she was three years old. I took a deep dive into health and wellness and nutrition specifically. And the main thrust, my main sort of motivation around that um, was really to kind of help people connect with their own agency around health and wellness. Um, Being that my child needed um, very dramatic medical treatments that I couldn't participate in. I decided I wanted to connect with my own agency around that. And that took the form of nutrition. So 2019, a few years after my daughter's health struggle, I decided I want to really help folks connect with their own agency and specifically artists because artists tend to neglect their own health, putting art and all else above, above that. So here we are. I'm this sort of hybrid this curator on one hand, and also this health and wellness coach, which is a newer thing. I was recently certified as of a month ago. So I have all my hours in and in the spring, I will sit for the national board of health and wellness coaches. So um, that's the next milestone. But in the meantime, I have a practice. It's all pro bono because again, this is a community I love and cherish community of artists. And so I do this because I want to support people in the art and creative fields. Yay! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I have a thousand million questions. That's a great good measurement, right? Yes. <laughs> um, so technically, that's a billion. But right. <laughs> Thanks. So good with math there. <laughs> Let's start off with more of like the corporate job, like the learnings of COVID. Do you think that 
it changed. Like the buying had to adapt to COVID. If that's even like a thing, I'm so curious as to knowing how that may, the pandemic may have changed the way maybe the partners viewed art or maybe you viewed art or maybe whoever else was no one was actually in the company like seeing the physical art I'm assuming but like how was that like experienced differently whether you're putting on shows not putting on shows purchasing not purchasing like all those different decisions yeah so as far as purchasing we we have not done the firm has not done a lot of purchasing of art in the past I would say like several years, several plus years. So that in that aspect, it didn't change much as far as COVID. What did change was funny enough, like everyone had more access to the art via Zoom. I was giving tours to the folks in Brussels and London and leading discussions about Dorothea Lange and her relationship with Ansel Adams. We have a ton of Ansel Adams in the collection. So actually the art was made more accessible. I had more visibility than I've ever had because typically you know, when I do projects in different offices, I'll, you know, travel to, you know, Tokyo and I'll do an install and then I'll do a tour and I'll connect with the people and they'll connect with the art. And it's very like sort of as needed. I'm there. I typically don't zoom do these virtual tours, but all of a sudden I had the ability and the tools to do these tours. And that was really different. And so in many ways, I felt like my audience was like all of a sudden expanded and it was fantastic. And, and, you know, firm leadership was really interested in like, how can we leverage art, um, you know, and make it something that sort of like a bright spot in these, in our employees day. And so it took the form of these tours. I also did um, a series. I'm still doing a series of art spotlights where I focus on one object in the collection, sort of help sort of an over, give an overview of the artist and the artwork, and then offer a project, like a hands-on art project for like, kids of all ages. Um, but mainly it was sort of done with the idea of like families in mind. So like families of, of her staff who like, whose kids might need something to do or project to hands on project together. So that was, that was the big shift. I think it was like, what can we, how can we leverage a collection in this very strange time? And we've actually been really looking at it and thinking about it more deeply than I think the firm ever has. It's amazing. Also it might, you were probably able to see how different all the countries were coping. Yeah. You know, it was interesting to me that like, I would say of all the offices, London was very keen on like getting their sort of dose of art. And they, I was, they were my best customer. Um, and <laughs> I think, I think they, you know, I think it was, it was hard for everyone. I mean, in, in their own ways. And, you know, I think, Part of it had to do with the size of the office. Maybe London is a smaller office, Brussels is a smaller office. So maybe it had to do with that. Um, connecting around something other than the business of the day. Um, yeah. I always think that London is a funny, it's a funny point just because all of all the news that was coming out from the budget and how the arts and culture is getting an additional 40% cut. So what always happens in the government and how there is no budget for the arts and culture and how the people actually want to have access to it. And it doesn't seem like people necessarily like the government listens. Like they're just like, well, whatever, we're just going to cut this. People are like, we want to see art. I mean, just like, look at the tape, look at the tape modern that just opened. Like how many people were there taking pictures and really sort of absorbing 
the install in Turbine Hall. If you if people have no idea what I'm talking about, it's fine as well. But it's just like it's a so link in the blurby for you guys because it really is an incredible installation. It really is, and it's just it's always so interesting to see like how people respond to art and culture and how policymakers and the government it's so wildly different and they almost dictate that for for people to think that oh this is something that is outside of someone's scope you know it can't be part of daily life maybe this isn't maybe i'm going on some tangent doesn't matter <laughs> no but my impression really of, of Lon- the london office and the people i mean it's like a small sample but that it really matters and it's, it is a part of their daily life in a way that it may be similar to New York, but somehow, I don't know. I feel like people in London, the Londoners that I know anyway, seem much more um, like they have their fingers on the pulse. They know what's happening at the Tate. They know what's happening to VNA. Like they know what's going on the fourth plant. Like they are, they're paying attention. Um, They don't take it for granted. So that's my impression anyway. And it's great. Same, same, big same. I feel like that's the, I've, I've been it's like always my favorite city too because it's all that art is also incredibly accessible it's easy to get to and around and from one place to the other to see you know multiple things at a time and um I think that people take advantage of that I think that's all by design I think because they want people to be able to get as much as they can when they can mm-hmm. um I love London that's it I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sigh about that and think about like looking at some turners um another I love the idea of like including the families though was that uh an Elise idea of like how can I incorporate everyone it was the it was actually the COO's idea that is I kind of had an instinct that maybe that's where it came from and I don't know why that really pleased me though that like people were like let's make sure that everyone feels involved and like has like some tools because and it just makes me sad slash hopeful that maybe some of these things will stick because I think that one of my learnings of the COVID times is that some people are taking people in more holistically that it is that you are more than just a face who's coming in and billing some hours um that there is like an infrastructure around you of other people and and things that go along with that Mm -hmm. and I think that there's always been an excuse in the before times that we don't have the time for that. We don't have the money for that. We don't have the bandwidth, if you will. And now it's like, no, we do and we can, and it can be really beneficial. And then people can feel more connected and have that kind of engagement with their peers and make kind of new connections. And that's it. No. Yeah. I I think that the, um, there's no ignoring anymore. Like, we have families, we have a life outside and, you know, like all of the sort of like zoom, like moments where people's like kids were running through the camp, you know, across the camera with like un- their undies on. It's like, this is, this is real. This is that we deal with this every day. So yes, it's undeniable. It's not going away. Yeah. Um, I would love to kind of double down on Erica's question uh, in regards to learnings of COVID in, so you kind of started your health coach journey at kind of an auspicious time of 2019. And then it's like, Hey, um, how did you see a shift from the, you know, the very early before times to like, now you're what I could almost call them like what your formative times before you were licensed all took place during COVID and panorama and stay at home and all of those anxieties. How did that shift for the artists and creatives that you were working with? Well, I think, I mean, everything came crashing down for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
people would like reach out, like, I want to do health coaching. Like I want to get, make a fresh start with my exercise or my eating or something. And then all of a sudden it was like, how do I like function? Like forget like exercising. Like how do I just get out of bed with this, like the crazy news that was happening and just like the reports of all these deaths. It was just so devastating. So it was really hard. I think as a health coach, like you want to be able to like walk the walk. And I was, I will, you know, me, myself and my peers in the program are also having our own struggles too. So it's like, I think the biggest learning while I was going through this program and while we were all dealing with this crazy COVID situation and all of this sort of racial violence and there's tension and all of that stuff going on, the politics was so ugly, was that like, we're all in this together. Community is key. And like, we are all figuring it out. And, and it's a process for all of us. Um, and I think that like, when you're, when you've gotten your, like your house of cards all stacked nicely and then all of a sudden like someone knocks it over, it's like, okay, like what's the first step? Like, what is the first step? And that, and just making space, like making space for people to hear themselves talk about like, whether it's their grief or their pain or the frustration, like that's, that's it. Like, let me just talk about it. Let me feel the feelings. And then like, okay, so what do you, what do you want to do with that? And it was just the power of listening, the power of showing up for people. It was so, it was like as helpful and supportive as I think it was for my clients. It was also quite like inspiring and life-giving for me too. Oh my God. (laughs) Guys, you can't see me, but I'm getting kind of weepy. Oh my goodness. Um, Sorry, but that's really beautiful. (laughs) Mm. Wait, oh my gosh, Erica, is this the first time I've cried on the podcast? <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> oh well, gosh, I think oh. it's that we have been in this, so people say that pandemic lasts for three years, so we've now been in this for too long. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, and we're, as we get into the colder months, we're going to see what happens again mm-hmm. in the colder months. You know, a lot of people are saying that you need boosters. You don't need boosters. Now the kids can get the vaccine, like blah, blah, blah. And I know for sure that because I'm in BC, we, everyone in BC is going to get a booster. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, the latest you'll get it is in May. And I think it's really interesting to see sort of what I hear most consistently is I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of this. And it's like, yeah, you know, and, I, I understand, but it's sort of, we also don't really know what to do. And it's, it's really hard, but we also have, I think one of the greatest blessings, at least from my perspective, is that we're all in this together. Whereas I think a lot of other times is someone is just, they feel very isolated or they feel like this is only happening to them and not anyone else and this is something that everyone on this planet is going through currently mm-hmm. and I think that sense of the it's it's a unity it like even if you don't think it is but it is it's a it's a global trauma that everyone will have their own take on and that's in a way it doesn't single anyone out because everyone is going to have a really hard time I think that's quite nice to be like I know, I know it sucks for you because it sucks for me too. Or I, you know, I, I know the empathy is strong. I feel like stronger than other, other things. Mm-hmm. 
you are not in America, America. <laughs> I'm not in America. Sorry, is that idealistic? Sorry. It, I feel like it is. I feel like it's a little. Well, I mean, I think in LA and stuff, it's. I think that. I mean, there's obviously pockets, but I feel like the uh, there is a lot of jibber jabber out there about that are, is incredibly divisive. So people that it doesn't feel like we're all in this together anymore. But I wonder, I feel like that, but this is the thing that's interesting. And I wonder your take on this, Elise, is that like, you know, you, we are finding these communities and we do realize that we can't do this by ourselves. And we are starting back from zero sometimes and figuring out how to make that first step. Um, what do, would you have advice for somebody who like maybe feels like they can't reach out to their community or like where, where they are feeling like they're starting at their first step again, because like maybe this is going on a little too long or they are exhausted, like where they can look for their community or ask for support or maybe take that first step in a way that would be positive. That was a very long question. No, I think that um, if someone is feeling really isolated, you know, who knows? Of course, I'm like, okay, what are the circumstances of this right. person? Like, so just pick like a, a, a fictional person who's really struggling. And, and I'm going to assume that maybe this person has like one or two people that they talk to, but maybe they haven't reached out. I would just say as a first step, like maybe, maybe reach out to that person. I mean, I, I know people like this. I have a dear friend who's like this, where she, when she's going through a hard time, she is like radio silence. I do not hear from her. She does not want to talk to anyone. She's under her covers. I know exactly. I can imagine where she is. And like, I'll reach out to her and you might be one of those people. And I think that's, it's hard for people like that, especially, but I think reach out to that one person that, you know, you can talk to and just be like, ask, like, would you, would you be okay? Like just letting me unload for like, I just need to have you listen to me for five minutes and maybe I'm not going to make sense. Just, I would love it if you would just like, listen, like, I just need to kind of let it out because I think we're so much in our heads during COVID we have been, and it, we have, I mean, Erica, yes, like we're all in this together. We're all experiencing this pandemic, global pandemic, but like the irony then is like, we're all experiencing, but we're all like siloed. So, you know, but like bridge that gap, like pick up the phone, I ideally phone or zoom. I mean, the zoom is powerful as much as I much prefer in person, but just like tell the, like share, like, open, open the window a little bit, open the door to like, just make yourself vulnerable to that one person you might be able to trust and just ask them, could you, could you hear me out? I don't know. Sometimes I think it's really hard to open that door because you feel like if I just sort of like push everything out, this is my method to make it work. So I don't crumble because Mm -hmm. I still need to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely felt that for a very long time. Mm-hmm. having to get out of bed and like lecture and then just like sitting in a very quiet room of like no responses and like the only way that I could like get through days of lecturing was just like n- nothing no one can come and talk to me because it's like I'm just in this like fortress of whatever mm-hmm. so I think it is really hard to go and just let someone in because you're just like well I can't say to my students like I'm so sad today but you yeah. say it to me. I can't say it to you. But here's, I will yeah. say my one trick on that because I've definitely been at things like nobody wants to hear me bitch about, you know, fill in the blank. Um, I always, my, especially when I'm like get real down and I will, I will self isolate because nobody wants to hear me whine. Um, I realize I will think about it. I'm like, if I, if somebody were to reach out to me right now and say, can I unload for five minutes? 
can I bitch to you about this thing? Can I, you know, this is what's happening. It's really hard. Can I talk it out? Just like, I just need a sounding board for a minute. I don't think I would ever say no. Unless I was like really like actively mad at that person. But like, yeah, everything's <laughs> fine. You know, I don't think I would ever, like the answer's never no. And that's mm-hmm. hard to like remember when you're like feeling bad. But you know, like if you're just like, I mean, because I mean, like think about that, Erica, like if you were like having, you know, at the end of the day, and I was just like, dude, Erica, I need five minutes. Would you say oh God, I would be like, call me, but like, I would be me. laying on the floor be like, yeah. my, my brain <laughs> explode, but like, yeah. go ahead. I wouldn't exactly. stop you. I'm no. pouring soup into my mouth. I made some, you know, and I'd be like, okay, great. Just, you just put me on speaker. You don't even have to listen. I just need to like <laughs> direct this at another human. Um, and it would work. And I think like remembering that is like a little bit helpful too, because mm-hmm. usually you want to be there for people genuinely. And the thing it can feel really hard in those isolating times but genuinely people want to be there for you too you're not alone in that and I just I guess in response Erica to your feeling about like the self-isolating and like oh like the you know feeling like you couldn't like bridge that gap and open yourself up like that then I would say like maybe I would you know just like to give you a hint at like what health coaching is like I would say like when was the last time you felt really grounded and connected and then I would say like what were you doing when you felt that? How do you think you could get there again? Like I might ask if someone was really stuck, but again, like the stuck person is not going to, not going to be reaching out to me, but, but I guess it's just a series of like self-directed questions, self, you know, when was the last time I felt that? And how can I access that again? Even if it's just in your mind. I mean, I have a health coach and she once asked me, she's like, when, when do you feel really good? Like, when do you feel like, ah, like totally relaxed in your body, take yourself there right now. And I go back to that place. Sometimes I use that as a tool now. So anyway, this sounds really dumb, but like, so when you were asking me that basically most of my friends was like, when was the last time you spoke to your therapist? And I was like, oh, I look on their text her <laughs> 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 there's that <laughs> and then um recently but that's good though you have the people who can hold you accountable and know yeah what no no for, for sure Every, that's, that's the thing too is like when people question. on the outside be like alexis when's the last time you did like orange theory and i'll be like you know what just because you know me really well and know what makes me feel good doesn't mean you can just like say it to me in such a direct way all right that was an attack but also thank you i'm gonna sign up for a class tomorrow and then i'll feel better yeah it's actually really this like always like when was the last time you spoke to, you spoke to your therapist and I was like how oh, dare you and You're I was so like oh accurate. that's fair it's usually what I'm just like wow I must be like semi-offensive right now to people <laughs> <laughs> it's like usually my thinking it's like I must be semi-offensive to my close friends that they <laughs> be like you need to see her therapist but like yeah that's a, and like they'll still love me irrespectively like of like how rude I am but they're like go get some help because you know like only be so rude to us for so long before we're just like go away go to a professional <laughs> however Amazing. this is like bizarre thought um I think partly was also I was very cold and this seems like it doesn't make sense but it does I was very cold in England for like the 20 months in that flat and it actually interestingly it impacts the body like the body is so smart 
but like I could never feel like I was actually warm like to my core like even when I was in the shower I was still cold all the time um and when I was um when I was doing like some sort of like massage therapy thing the therapist was just like you are very like you just seem like you were very stuck in a position for a very long time because your fascia is like it's shortened basically it looks like you were just hunching for a very long time and I was like yes I was hunting for like 20 months basically because it was so cold (laughs) um and she was like yes we we see that in your body but like all these things like your body is taking account like it's trying to respond and it's trying to function but you don't like know that at the time mm-hmm. and it's actually kind of crazy to think like now that I've moved home now that I can be in a warm shower and I can actually warm up like the it's such big difference that was one of the biggest things that I was looking forward to was like standing in that this is not healthy but like standing in the shower and just like get cooked basically which is, like just make me hot like I'm so baked cold baked one <laughs> <laughs> like a lobster well, you know, it's interesting you you talk about that, Erica, like that feeling cold and tense and like your shortened fascia noticed by your clinician. We are so, because we're such a, like a um, sort of achievement driven culture, you know, like big cities and like accomplishing and doing and cranking out more and more that, that way of being like disconnects us from our bodies, but our bodies are giving us data all the time. And we're not listening. Um, And I think that is, you know, you're getting out of this 20 months of cold, cold, cold is actually a really good thing. Finally, you're kind of acknowledging that like, wow, I was really uncomfortable and hunched over for a long period of time. Um, And now that you're connected with that, you see you're on the other side of that. You're like, wow, like I'm feeling more in my body and this feels right. So I think if we can connect with the data that we're getting from our bodies, disconnect from our mind and connect with our body, that serves us tremendously. Do you think that also leads into making like artists and how they they might be able to go and feel inspired? We like disconnect from that. I don't know. Like when I tap into that, it's I used to really love sitting in the dark to make my installation be like and be moody. (laughs) (laughs) No? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think so. I think if we're, you know. I think artists are often trying to get to that's the beauty of, I think having a studio is kind of, it's your space, it's your environment and sort of shut the idea is like shutting everything out, um, all the inputs, and then really getting clear on like what it is you're doing. And like that artist's voice, like shutting out the art market, shutting out the, the, the art press, what's art for I'm saying, who's on the cover, like which of my artist peers has gotten, you know, a, a new gallery in London and I've, I've got zero and they have two now. It's like shutting out all that noise not thinking and analyzing and just like connecting with like what it your gut like connecting with your vision whatever that is that has nothing to do with outside inputs it's all and it comes from you i mean art is that's like the great miracle of art you're creating something out of nothing with your bot with your hands it's it's miraculous it really is that's interesting because it is it's all coming from inside the good and the bad and the self and the FOMO and the anger mm-hmm. and the comparisons and the genius and the inspiration stuff. I never, but so it is, it's like, there's, it's like one 
they're all coming from the same place. The call is coming from inside the house. Uh, but you know, when you say that, all I can think about is like, have a healthy gut. That's <laughs> <laughs> Guys, what's your probiotic intake is what Erica wants to know. No, I mean, there are more connections between True. the brain and the gut than you'd ever, than you could ever imagine. I mean, there's the research around the gut health and how fundamental that is, how foundational is like clinicians are fine. Researchers are finally paying attention to this. It's, and you know, that listening to your gut, like that was my parting word to my niece as she went off to college this year. I'm like, listen to your gut. It's real. Like that's, you kind of follow your intuition and that will lead you to, it's like, it's a safety mechanism, foundational safety mechanism. And it's also key to good art. Yeah. Amazing. That's the learning of COVID in this. Listen to your gut. Conversation. Have a healthy gut. Take your probiotic. Or shit. Yeah. Um, that and then also, you know, I will say this about as I as I've started coming out of, you know, hiding and going into various situations and meeting with people in various professional um, levels, I cannot tell you guys how deeply and quickly I get into conversations that aren't small talk that are like, like, how are you feeling? Like, what are your feelings about this? Like, do you feel safe? And like, get in, I get into stuff with like strangers. Um, and by strangers, I mean like a gallerist I just met like 20 minutes ago, like, we'll like get into it. And, um, everyone's like pretty fine with it. I feel like that's the new normal. I will say that. Like if you like go back, cause now that it's been like six weeks of like going out and saying things that like, I normally wouldn't have said, uh, in a, social setting. Um, I think everyone's pretty fine with it. I think everyone's like, kind of like, we don't have like those like kind of filters anymore or like some people don't, maybe it's just me. I don't think it's just me. It's not just me because people do the same thing to me. And I'm like, yeah, let's, they're like, sorry, I didn't mean to get in. I'm like, no, let's, like, let's do it. Let's talk about this. Um, short and, of a therapist. Yeah. Talk like, to your local gallerist. Yeah. <laughs> your local gallerist. Like who's that curator walking in? She sounds, she seems <laughs> cool. Let's ask her. What do you think about this kind of thing? Um, but I do think that like people are, there's a lot of, um, interpersonal grace happening, um, in professional Mm -hmm. settings. So if you are worried about getting back out there or talking about your art or learning about things or reaching out to people, um, I think a lot of people are being very chill in my experience. So, um, and those are the people you want to work with anyway. Yeah, absolutely. That's just like a little tip. That's my, that's my Alexis Hyde tip for the day. I love it. Yeah. I think this conversation is very wholesome. (laughs) It is very wholesome, but this is really good though. Cause I think that we, you know, we've been talking about COVID learnings. We've been talking about community, but like we haven't been talking about in a minute about like actual like health and wellness, how, and how those things are tied to both of those things, like really intrinsically. And it's super important. And especially for, I mean, for everybody, but I think that, you know, when our work is like creatively based, mm-hmm. keep those I'm, I'm curious and for your health and wellness, is it specifically for art artists or the art community? I mean, my, pro- I, I'm, I'm in the process of kind of defining my practice. I am actually in ta- talking with a nonprofit organization that's designed to support working artists and creatives and creating a you know, program, formalizing a program with them. Um, but I, I'm happy to coach anyone. I mean, right now, most 
let's see. Let me just think through my clients right now. All of my clients are creatives right now. I think that they've created more during this time that they were more productive because they're more able to sort of like focus and cut out the noise because I find that to be really cathartic when you go into that safe place your studio to go into your studio practice and sort of just like cut everything out and you can have that tunnel vision it's like the one place that's like please have tunnel vision here Mm -hmm. I mean I don't know if I could necessarily like make any suppositions based on my you know my client my clients it's not a very good sample but the artists that I know during COVID like having their art artistic practice was a very supportive aspect of the way they got through. It was a tool that they used to get through COVID for sure. Um, it, but then I think as we're kind of coming out of it, I think, I think artists and pe- the artists that I know are talking about like, wow, I really need some inputs now. Like you, you need the output and the input. You cannot, you cannot live on output alone because you're just in your head and it's like, it's too much, it's intense, you know? Um, But I do think in many ways it was a salve for, for artists, the ones that I know anyway. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to this week? Um, So many books. Um, Well, this week, I'm reading, up, um, I'll just go through the list because it's several. Siblings Without Rivalry, which is an audiobook, <laughs> which has been on my nine cent for, for years. My kids are seven and nine and I'm like overdue to read it. So mm-hmm. finally reading that. And it's been sort of helpful. I'm reading um, Tiny Habits. I'm reading, uh, what is the other book called? helping people change. These are all health coaching books. And then a book that has been my constant companion throughout COVID. I'm just going to share this because I, I, I love this book so much. It's called Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. I don't know if you've heard of it. it it's been on, on, on the New York Times bestseller for a while, or it had been. And um, it's by this woman who is a botanist and she's per, she's a Native American woman. Her tribe is like the Potawatomi nation, which is, I think based somewhere in like the Northeast. Anyway, it's a beautiful meditation on our connection to nature and her journey in connecting the native teachings, you know, of her ancestors and also the science in academia that she's been immersed in for so long and kind of bringing them together. Um, so anyway, those, those are my, those are my reads and the, could not recommend more braiding sweetgrass. It's one of those you can dip into and out of. Um, take it in little sips at a time. That's nice. Um, thank you so much, Elise. Would you mind letting our listeners know where they could find you on the interwebs if they were so inclined? Yeah. So I um, don't have a huge presence at the moment. I do have an Instagram. It's at eBarkles, E-B-A-R-C-L-E-S. It's kind of a weird one. I, I couldn't get the K in there. Someone had already, had already snatched that up, but E bark at E barkles. And, um, I'm not a frequent poster. I'm more kind of a lurker. Um, my account is private, but I can, I'll open it up for folks if they want to take a peek. Um, it's, it's art, it's family, it's nature. Um, and it's, a uh, it's fun. 
I followed. I will put all of that in the blurby, guys. And um, you can find me, guys, as always, at Hide or Die Everywhere. I am Erica. You can find me at To Practice Practice. And uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, you could like it or view. Uh, help us juice that algorithm. I'd be super appreciative. And until next time, guys. Bye. Bye.